the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, August 10th, 2021, as we head into hour two, the phone number 602-508-0960. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, uh, fantastically uh, com- uh, common email I just received in the sense that I've had other people write me along these lines. I'll keep the uh, listener's name private in this case. Seth, since you have been discussing COVID vaccinations, I wanted to tell you what I find frustrating. I'm reluctantly considering getting the vaccine. My doctor told me I'm in a high, I am high risk and I sh- in a high-risk population and I should get it. I get my medications from Walgreens and I tried to call them to just get information about making the appointment and which company's vaccine they were using and which is better. One dose or a two dose. I just had some simple questions like that. But when you call, you can't get a person, only an automated voice. I can't pursue the questions I have because they don't fit an automated category and I can't get to a person. I don't appreciate these one size fits all request systems that make this life affecting decision no better than ordering concert tickets. Any thoughts? Yeah, well, my first thought is I would... I don't know how to say this exactly because I try not to give medical advice, but I would say any questions you have about the vaccine should be directed to your doctor. And, in fact, as I understand it, doctor's offices are administering vaccines, and maybe that's the better place to do it, especially if your doctor is recommending it so strongly. But if you have questions about the vaccine that you aren't getting answered, find someone who can answer it. And if it's not your physician, then I don't know what to tell you, except this. The government is mandating, or at least at this point recommending to the point where local governments are beginning to mandate, something that is one size fits all and doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of physicians and cannot possibly fit every individual category. They just can't possibly. As Marty McCary at Johns Hopkins has written, the notion that we have to vaccinate every living, walking American, including eventually every newborn, in order to control the pandemic is based on the false assumption that the risk of dying from COVID is equally distributed in the population. It's not. We have always known that it's very hard for the virus to hurt someone who is young and healthy. And that's still the case. While vaccine requirements for healthcare workers may make some sense, we would never extend those requirements outside of healthcare for, say, the flu shot. We'd simply state to the public those who avoid the flu shot do so at their own risk. Also, whatever happened to the question of natural immunity, that is, immunity from prior COVID infection? During every month of this pandemic, Marty McCary writes, I've had debates with other public researchers about the effectiveness and durability of natural immunity. 
I've been told that natural immunity could fall off a cliff, rendering people susceptible to infection. But here we are now, over a year and a half into the clinical experience of observing patients who were infected, and natural immunity is effective and going strong. And that's because with natural immunity, the body develops antibodies to the entire surface of the virus, not just a spike protein constructed from a vaccine. The power of natural immunity was recently affirmed in an Israeli study, which found a 6.7 time greater level of protection among those with natural immunity versus those with vaccinated immunity. Requiring the vaccine, then, in people who are already immune has no scientific support. Follow the science. Has no scientific support. While vaccinating those people may be beneficial to argue dogmatically that they must get vaccinated, has zero clinical outcome data to back it up. As a matter of fact, we have data to the contrary. A Cleveland Clinic study found that vaccinating people with natural immunity did not add to their level of protection. So instead of talking about the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, we should be talking about the immune and the non-immune. Immunity is something people can test for. I would never recommend that anyone intentionally acquire the infection in order to get natural immunity, but vaccine passports and proof of vaccine documents should recognize those sorts of things if we ever go down that road. I'm perplexed at the vitriol directed at folks who are reluctant to get vaccinated. For some, the biggest driver of their hesitancy is the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which has failed to issue the long overdue approval of COVID-19 vaccines due to the stability testing, which has nothing to do with safety. By the way, do you realize we don't have a head of the FDA are you aware of that? You would think for an administration so aggressively interested in following the science and having a messaging, uh, a messaging regime from a panel of government employees who are experts and in charge of these things, especially with people waiting for something a little more than emergency use authorization, you would have the head of that administration in place. They don't. Imagine if this were the Trump administration. One study, by the way, back to McCary, conducted by the state of California this spring, found that 38% of Californians and 45% of LA residents had natural immunity. And this was at a time when vaccine rollout was too early to account for those numbers. I want you to think about that. 50, nearly 50% of Los Angeles has natural immunity. But then I go and read that Los Angeles L.A. County Board of Supervisors is today ordering a plan to mandate vaccinations with 50% of the population having natural immunity and not vaccinated. And not vaccinated. It's simply makes no sense. There is a subpopulation in this country who can be harmed 
can be. And the government is ordering them with a blunderbuss, not a scalpel, to do the same thing to their bodies as those who aren't at risk from the problem. Right now, there are non-immune Americans among whom the Delta variant is raging. So focus your attention there. But when it comes to vaccinating even healthy kids, and you could argue that that takes you up to the age of 25, the COVID-19 death risk is clustered among, among kids who have comorbidities like obesity. Of the 335 COVID deaths in kids under age 25, the data suggests most or nearly all had a pre-existing condition. Most to all. For kids with concurrent medical conditions, sure, the case for vaccination may have some compelling arguments. But for healthy kids, the risk of hospitalization from COVID-19 in kids aged 5 to 17 is three-tenths per million. Three-tenths per million. We also know the risk of hospitalization after the second vaccine dose due to myo, excuse me, myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle is about 50 per million in the same age group. It may be that the standard two-dose regimen is too high a dose and is inducing a strong inflammatory response. Perhaps a single dose is what's much better for children. According to one report in Tel Aviv University, you see that. But the CDC hasn't considered any of this, whether one dose of the two-dose shots would be sufficient and safer for young people. None of this has been studied. None of it. None of it. But the point is this. The point is this. Don't let people tell you you're stupid, dumb, or a moron if you take your health more seriously than they do. San Francisco Chronicle, two headlines. One, to show you the insanity of what we're doing to ourselves. Here's an op-ed headline from the San Francisco Chronicle by a law professor at Stanford, Michelle Mello. You can be a learned idiot, a learned ignoramus. Here's the headline. You ready? My husband had a stroke after his COVID vaccine. We gave our kids his shot anyway. Woman talks about, law professor at Stanford talks about her husband having to go to the hospital after getting his second vaccine. No one could understand what had happened to him, but he started seeing double and ultimately had a stroke right after his vaccine. And there's no explanation the doctors can give for it. So they have a young child, and the question was whether they should vaccinate him. And the mother said, yes, the risk your son faces from COVID is higher than the risk from the vaccine. This from a mother whose husband was hospitalized from a stroke inexplicably after taking the second vaccine. This is, um, this is the insanity we're dealing with. We're told to follow the science. No one's following the science. You can't follow the science because it's un 
followable unless you want a chiropractor or an orthopedic surgeon because you will get whiplash. You will get whiplash. Here's another San Francisco Chronicle headline, one I like a little bit better. Shock poll shows Gavin Newsom losing recall by double digits. 51% for the recall, 40% against. 60% of Californians say they don't want Gavin Newsom to run for re-election. What is the option in the alternative? Someone who can speak like this. I was at dinner the other night with someone I know to be a liberal, and they were talking about the big lie, the big lie, the big lie. I honestly thought they were talking about the Russian collusion hoax. They were not. Amongst liberals, the big lie is that the election was unfair. Did you know liberals had put a TM on that being the big lie? Here's, do I have time for Larry Elder on this? Just, just about enough? Here's Larry Elder on his version of the big lie. Well, according to CNN, 76% of Republicans believe, quote, the big lie, close quote, about the 2020 election that it was stolen. Do you realize that more Democrats believe the big lie that the 2016 election was stolen, don't you? About the alleged big lie that Republicans believe, here is what CNN's Chris Saliza said. 76% of self-identified Republicans in a new national Quinnipiac University poll say they believe there was widespread fraud in the 2020 election. Yes, you read that right. Three in every four Republicans in the poll agreed with the idea that there was widespread wrongdoing in last November's election, end of quote. Now, Mr. Saliza, you do know that more Democrats, as a percentage, believe the 2016 election was stolen than Republicans believe the 2020 election was stolen, don't you? And again, Hillary has used the S word. I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Oh, never mind that Obama's Homeland Security Director, Jay Johnson, said there is no evidence that the Russians changed the outcome of the election. I know of no evidence that through cyber intrusions, votes were altered or suppressed in some way. Maybe Democrats skipped the day that Mr. Johnson testified. Now look at this Gallup poll. 78% of Democrats believe that the Russians changed the outcome of the 2016 election. But that has not stopped Madam Secretary. I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. And well, I think three things. First, um, I do think that he knows uh, that uh, he's an illegitimate president. Mm-hmm. So we need numbers overwhelming so Trump can't sneak or steal his way to victory. You think our economy is going to be shielded from these massive Biden tax increases? Think again. There's only one way to protect your savings, and that is to do with 10,000. He's got an ad embedded in there. He goes on and on to point out that not only Hillary Clinton, but Nancy Pelosi 
questioned the legitimacy of the 2016 election, how easily and quickly we forget these things. But now Larry Elder has the chance to himself become the governor of California. And when you have a 51 percent support for recall with 40 percent opposed and only one really recognizable candidate as an alternative who wants to take on the kinds of things the Democrats have tried to bury, that is to say issues having to do with crime sweeping the state, homelessness sweeping the state, Californians exodusing from the state, taxes and regulations crippling the state, lack of forest management burning the state. I could go on and on and on. Haven't even gotten to the teachers' unions and their power in California. There is this opportunity to put a stop to it all and change it. That's why I am such a fan of the notion that this is a nationwide race in California. It's a nationwide race. If you doubt it, think about how the national media made certain governors their darlings for the year. There were four. Inslee, Cuomo, Whitmer, and Newsom. You don't hear much from Inslee anymore. You don't hear much from Whitmer anymore. Cuomo is is now gone, and Newsom's about to be. Newsom's about to be. It's a funny thing about this world that when your policies tend to make things worse and the media is lying to you by telling you these are the policies that will make things better if given a shot, ask yourself where you've heard this before. Ask yourself where you've heard that very kind of intonation before. Oh, just give it a little more chance. Oh, it wasn't tried perfectly. Oh, it didn't take into account all the necessary requirements of the platform. It's every excuse every socialist and Marxist has ever made about every failed socialist and Marxist experiment. Kind of ironic the Democrats have adopted that as their campaign strategy, too. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Mike is in Phoenix. Hi, Mike. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks for uh, taking my call. You bet. So I wanted to get your take on some things uh, because I know some people, you know, I called in about vaccine passports, and I know some people who got their vaccine but didn't get cars uh, to prove that they did. Uh, and also, and I'm not really sure why more people don't really discuss that these CDC COVID cards are just printed on cardstock, and anyone could download a PDF from anywhere on the Internet and just print these COVID vaccine CDC cards, Google any image of a million COVID cards, get the lot and serial number, put the information on there, and they have just as legitimate of a COVID card mm-hmm. as anyone else 
just their name with someone else's um, lot number uh, of, you know, so if they ever looked up the code and saw, hey, this is a real a real dose and whatnot. So, like, I just seems so pointless to have COVID vaccine passports when it's just so absurdly easy to counterfeit them. Do you know what I worry about, though, Mike? I, I mean, I think I think you're probably right about all of that right now. But I'll tell you something I do worry about, and um, it's what comes next as a result of that. Truly, what yeah, comes next as a result of that? I, you know, is it going to be imprinted on your? Is it going to be buried, imprinted, and embedded in your driver's license? Well, just logistically, your passport. Uh, just, but just think, you know, most of these COVID sites. We're just in Arizona. There's probably 50 or 100 COVID vaccination sites. Every one of them is using different software to keep track of everything. You know, some of them, I'm sure, have had server failures. Uh, so it just seems so impossible times 50 states and seven territories and whatever. You're talking about thousands or tens of thousands of record systems keeping track of people who did get the vaccine. How could you ever coordinate one master system to track that, you you basically would have to get everyone to get revaccinated uh, all over again, or or or, then, or present some kind of proof, I suppose, right? Like, like you have to present proof to, to identify who you are, right? But wouldn't that be a COVID vaccination card? Well, I mean, theoretically, it would be a card right now or something imprinted or embedded into another document uh, later, right? Like a driver's license or a passport. But the question that immediately comes to my mind, Mike, aside from the how do you do it, is the question of why do you do it? And then beyond the why do you do it, who does it affect? Why, Why are we saying every American has to show proof, or at least every New York City and L.A. County resident has to show proof with identification that they had something injected into their arm, but they don't have to show proof of who they are in order to vote for the people who make those decisions. Well, then that would be racist. Um, But see, that's (laughs) the funny thing about this. What's the unvaccinated population in New York City? 70% of the African-American community is unvaccinated. That's the problem. It will be fun to watch the left eat themselves. Yes, yes. It will be very fun. Uh, but, so I, but I just don't understand, even if they did make a legitimate, and people fake driver's licenses, you know, that it's harder to do. But my point was, even if, say, a few years from now or six months from now, hey, you have to go to your DMV and show your driver's license and show your proof of vaccination, uh, and we're going to embed it in your driver's license that you were vaccinated, yada, yada, yada. My point being is right now there is no way uh, to prove, just because it's so easy to duplicate a CDC COVID vaccination card, anyone with a printer and a, yeah. you know, a PDF file. So when you go to do this, everyone just takes their fake card in. It just, so, it just seems so futile and pointless. But it's just virtue signaling at this point. I think it is, too. And I, I just worry about the next step. I really do. I, rel- I worry when people say vaccine passport, I think about a passport. And I think about what they could do to our passports. If it's not arrested, Mike, if it's not arrested, it will go forward. The time is now. 
and I'm just wondering if we can be a little bit like the French. You know, they're protesting by the tens and hundreds of thousands. They seem to have a little bit more pride than we do in our freedom and individuality and autonomy and our own health care decisions. Who knew France would be a model for the United States for conservatives? Who knew? Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I just heard an ad for Cool Touch. I used, uh, or I should say, a friend of mine used Cool Touch this very morning. Her air conditioning stopped working, and uh, they came out same day. And uh, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of companies that uh, just aren't as honest as Cool Touch. It was simply a fuse. They replaced it, and within 40 minutes, by the way, they came right on time when they said they would, and within 40 minutes, and a negligible price to pay because of a fuse that needed replacement. The air conditioning is humming along just fine. That's what you get with Cool Touch. They do what they say. They say what they'll do. They're honest, and they have great customer service. Open 24-7 for you for all your air conditioning or plumbing needs. They also have a brand-new system that operates as if it were a dimmer switch on a light. So rather than the air conditioning having to turn on and off to maintain the temperature you want and give you those continual power surges, which are huge drags on your power or power bill, you get the right percentage of air conditioning, like a dimmer switch on a light, which gives you the most comfortable living environment and the biggest savings on your utility bill. They also have a $2,000 rebate on this system. But if it's this system, another system, simply a repair or an inspection, malfunction, Cool Touch is the company I use, my friends use, my family uses, and we've never been let down. Check them out at CoolTouchAC.com for all your air conditioning and plumbing needs. That's CoolTouchAC.com and let them know Seth sent you. Chad is in Phoenix. Hello, Chad. Hey, Seth. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing excellent. Hey, I, I've got something that's been on my mind for quite a while. I never hear anybody talking about when they talk about natural immunity. So I'm, I'm 60, and I've had the flu twice in my life, and I've never had a flu shot. Don't some people just not get, get the virus? I mean, yes, yes. No, you're right. I got the flu shot once. It made me sick. I decided never to get it again. I had never had the flu before. I had the flu once since. And that's it. Yes, of course. There are some people inexplicably that don't get things that other people get. It's just it's 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 just that it's just that way to quote John Denver. Sometimes it's explicable, sometimes it isn't. And for those who have had COVID and no vaccine, the studies out of Israel are showing that that has a greater chance of immune that's a greater greater immunity than those who have been vaccinated at least for the first 3 months that we know of. And and, and the other thing is we're talking about something that 99.9% of the people don't die. Well, that's the other forgotten thing here. We talk about that line of defense being the vaccine, right? That's your line of defense. The vaccine is your line of defense, or the mask, I suppose, if you're a real idiot. 
but that's what we're being told, right? That's your line of defense. Really? I thought the line of defense was if I got it, I had a 99% chance of survival. Let's not forget that getting the coronavirus is not a death sentence, which is what everyone on the left wants you to think it is, because we always have to be in the worst situation possible because this is a sick and failed and feeble country. No, it isn't. It's a strong country. That's right. And, and, and I just get tired of nobody ever. Nobody ever talks about that. That they, they, you know, it's like all of this stuff they've been talking about with the kids and. In, uh, in Look, let me let me let me try it this way. You know, for all the people that are talking about, you know, those going to the hospital are mostly the unvaccinated, which may very well be true. Let's understand and appreciate something. We had a ninety-nine percent survival rate all of last year. And guess what? A hundred percent of the people who got sick and went to the hospital were unvaccinated. That's right. Okay. Okay. And and, and I and I heard that I heard somebody talking about the you know, they're they're trying to use Florida with the kids as the as the the, the big case yep. to to look at. Yep. And there was a hundred and seventy 170 kids, I believe under 18, that were in the hospital in Florida out of something like 10 million kids. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're lying to us. They've well, they have comorbidities the in most cases. They have comor- Are there cases where they don't? Sure. Yeah, we have seen these things. We've seen a lot of things. We've seen very rare things. We've seen very common things. We're not going to upend our country for a 99.9% or 99 8.5% survival rate. We're just not. They're sure trying. They are sure trying. And what's amazing to me is that there is a population in this country that is not only willing to go along with it, but is willing to mock you for not going along with it. You know, we overuse the phrase, the inmates have taken over the asylum. But that's in, ca- in, fa- in point of fact what has happened in this country. No doubt about it. I mean, I just... I. I know people get tired of me saying this. I know they do. I get tired of saying it. But tell me something Anthony Fauci has said that is held for more than three months. When it comes to COVID anyway. And yet we are told he speaks from Mount Olympus. Tell me one thing he has said that is held for more than three months. You can't. Uh, but the only thing he said is that his name is Anthony Fauci. Yeah, no, I mean, that's right. You can't, whether it's herd immunity, whether it's immunity, whether it's masks, whether it's vaccine, whether it's a combination of the two, whether it's congregate outside, whether it's inside. There is not one thing he has said that is held true for more than three months. Now, someone will say, well, come on, give him a break. It's a novel. We're all surprised by this. It's a novel. virus." <laughs> Fair enough. Then let him be the first to say that. Let him be the first to say I'm not sure. But he won't say that. He won't. Because there's an authoritarian personality order at work or disorder here at work. And an ego. Yep. He cannot say it. It would If he said that, more people would listen to him. I'm convinced of it. People will listen to honest assessments. They will not listen to liars. No, and uh I, I would I would like to see if uh if uh, Lewis, if he's coming on at five, yes. has, any, has any kind of uh, statistics to back up 
my my assumption of natural immunity for people that just people are just not going to get certain things. Yep. And nobody ever. I'll nobody run ever it by them. That. I'll run it by them. I've run it by. Uh, I've run that thought by a couple physicians. Um, and I will tell you, some of them have said we have people, and you may know some of them in your own life who have been very highly exposed including living with them, including husbands and wives and that sort of thing, and they just don't attain or obtain COVID. They just don't. Why is that? Do they have a natural immunity of the kind you're speaking about that's inexplicable? Did they have the antibodies? Um, Some would say, well, maybe they had it and were asymptomatic. No, but they tested. But they tested. Well, some would say you can't trust the test. Tell me what to trust. How about my individual choices? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Yes, indeed. Hugh and Lewis Hallman will be in studio shortly. Douglas in Maricopa. Hi, Doug. How the heck are you, It's been way too long. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. I was... uh... I had several thoughts today, and, and, and I was thinking in listening to the discussion, which is always engaging, um, how much I admire the liberal, the left. I just admire them. I, I, I do not admire their agenda. I admire the way they fight for their agenda. Mm-hmm. And what and and I look at our side, and you can't even get anybody politically to speak up against it, except for the rogue few. You know, and I think in all of this, it's good to have knowledge, but again, for what? For what purpose? And I do believe we're going to take the House and the Senate back, but then I have to ask, for what purpose? If the house, if the left has the House and the Senate, we see what they use it for. They want power to push their agenda. We don't want. Uh, we want power to self-aggrandize ourselves, not to push our the, the right agenda. And it reminds me of a story during the revolution. We were getting pushed back and, and uh, destroyed, and we were retreating and eventually retreating across the Jerseys until we came to Valley Forge, and everybody thought the British were superior. They were tougher. They were smarter. Because when they went onto the field of battle, they didn't relinquish. They took a pounding, and men died, and they stayed, and they advanced. One tiny volley, and we would run. We were also worried about don't get the British upset because they'll attack us and they'll hurt us. But something kind of interesting and magical happened in Valley Forge, and it took a foreigner, uh, a guy kind of a little mysterious, named a guy named Baron von Steuben, Mm. who who didn't speak English. He spoke German. No one in Valley Forge did speak German. So all he began to uh, change and teach us to fight on the field of battle, discipline, toughness and things that we weren't used to. He first would, he could speak French, so he, he gave his orders in French, and they would translate the French into English. By the time we left Valley Forge, it was a transformed army. It was tougher, it was hard-nosed, and actually willing to fight for its values and not run away because it was a little difficult. 
the very first battle, Monmouth Courthouse, we went toe-to-toe with the world's greatest army, thought to be indestructible because it never, it always advanced, and we held our ground to a draw. We held the greatest army to a standstill, and we held the field of battle. If we could transform ourselves, I look at the Republican Party, and this is going to sound corny, so don't laugh at me too hard. I look at Baron von Steuben as Trump. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let me address some of this, Doug, and if I don't, hold me to it, okay? 